Welcome to the Exhale Podcast, a candid conversation about matters relating to respiratory diagnostic and lung health. You might have seen a new look to our podcast. We're implementing some changes to invest in our brand, which in turn will hopefully reach new listeners and turn them into diehard loyal fans. Today's hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager, and Troy Pridgen, Executive Vice President of Sales and Operations for Vitalograph in North America, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Today, we're excited to speak with Robin Farman Farmian, a professional speaker, author, and healthcare entrepreneur working with cutting-edge artificial intelligence software, devices, and pharma companies poised to impact 100 million patients. Well, welcome, Robin, to our podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, great. So please give us a little background on yourself, education, experience, and what your current responsibilities are. Sure. So I am a professional speaker, author, and early stage entrepreneur in cutting edge medical device and AI based software in healthcare. And so I've worked on over 25 early stage companies, everything from early stage small molecule found through drug discovery, AI through drug discovery, to medical devices like for sleep apnea or even inhaled insulin and into the world of things like VR, with VR radiology reading rooms and remote patient monitoring. And on the professional speaker side, I've given over 180 keynotes now in 15 countries. Well, Robin, really nice to meet you. This is Troy. Uh, can you tell us how is AI reaching you know, patients today outside of the traditional bricks and mortar clinics? Well, the really interesting thing, of course, is connectivity. So being able to have a smart device or even just a connected device suddenly changes the game because that becomes a tool for healthcare delivery. And so a lot of the things that are going on in AI right now in healthcare are things like digital therapeutics, which are typically companion apps that work in conjunction with medication and other things like therapy, but it reaches the patient on a daily basis. Not only that, but it engages the patient and then you can also do that remote patient monitoring component. We're also seeing AI being shifting into the home for things like counting coughs, right? So AI voice analysis has progressed dramatically. And so now we see companies that are able to do things like count the number of times someone coughs on a daily basis. That in and of itself is a game changer when you think about things like clinical trials for medication efficacy, or even just being able to map out disease trajectory based on how many times somebody coughs. But AI voice technology is going much further than that into things like emotion monitoring, being able to understand if someone is feeling a lot of stress or anxiety, and then moving into things like viruses. AI voice technology can now pick up things like a respiratory disease a couple of days before you even start to exhibit symptoms because it's already changing your voice on that microscopic level that AI can actually pick up. Does AI lower costs and improve patient outcome? Absolutely. So think about companies like Nuvo Air. Nuvo Air is for COPD and it's a remote patient monitoring and tracking. Now they did a pilot study about a year ago in rural populations in places like Kentucky and Indiana. And of the patients that they surveyed, 80% reported fewer COPD related hospitalizations and 87% reported improved quality of life. 
Now we know things like COPD, it's a very complex disease to manage and on that daily basis for patients. So being able to do things like track their inhaler usage and then also reach them through an app on a daily basis really can make a very big difference in these patients' lives. Yeah, it sounds like this is, you know, a really much more proactive approach to medication monitoring and all of that sort of thing, which I think is huge. We know that inhaler usage has been problematic, at least compliance with it has. You know, another question I thought it was the FDA and I suppose HIPAA as well would, all, would have certain implications on this sort of monitoring and technology. Can you mention how they've been involved with AI in healthcare? Absolutely. So with HIPAA, it's really uh, rules and regulations around how healthcare data is treated in a healthcare setting. In order to be adopted by the healthcare industry in general, things need to be HIPAA compliant. And so that's pretty well laid out and startups aren't too worried about that. It's the FDA stuff that really starts to make people nervous. And the good news is, is that the FDA is recognizing not only software as a medical device, SAMD, and it's on a, a fast pathway. It's not like it's a full on like pharmaceutical drug or something, which can take years. These pathways to get through the FDA with software as a medical device are really straightforward. And they're changing and updating the regulations pretty much annually now. For instance, they just came out a few months ago and they've clarified some of the rules and regulations around predictive analytics, specifically for things like sepsis. Now, uh, there are a number of companies that are used on hospital EMRs, including Epic, that have sepsis software that can help predict if a patient is going to get sepsis. This is a pretty big deal. Now, the problem is, is that some of these show that maybe they're catching things way too late. So what it's, it's an alarm going off for a doctor long after the doctor already knew that the patient had sepsis. So then the predictive analytics really are only a bothersome alert, but then missing things. And so the FDA has come out and said specifically around things like predictive analytics, these are the rules and regulations. So they are up to date. And the other thing that they're thinking about is that when you're dealing with machine learning, it does just that. It learns over time, meaning you could have an app that every day you use it, it gets more and more personalized to the individual. And of course, that is uh, something that the FDA really had to take into consideration. And so they're trying to make the rules around FDA regulation of software as a medical device strict enough to of course, protect all patient safety, first and foremost, but also loose enough so that the machine learning component can actually improve based on the individual. Well, since we recently had a pandemic, what are the roles of the artificial intelligence in respiratory disease and chronic obstructive pulmonary diseases? So thinking about some of these apps that I mentioned, uh, so Nubo Air is that sensor that goes onto any existing inhaler. There are a couple of other companies in this space, Propeller and Adherium, and they're all really trying to help COPD specifically. Complex asthma and heart failure, yes, but really first and foremost, COPD is just so hard and people really wanna help patients manage that type of a condition. And so not only tracking that medication usage so that A, the patient doesn't need to track it themselves, 
but B, so that they feel like somebody is there holding their hand on a daily basis or watching over them. And we know in psychology, if someone thinks they're being watched, their behavior becomes different. And so once you've put something like a sensor on their medication inhalers, they know that their doctor is going to know exactly when and where they use that inhaler. So that in and of itself can also help them be a little bit more compliant, but it really does make you think, okay, I'm not that, I'm not in this alone anymore. Right? I'm not here, you know, every month between doctor visits, terrified and not sure if my COPD medication is working or if the medication needs to be titrated or it needs to be changed. They have a friend on a daily basis. And that in and of itself is a really big deal. But we're starting to see a lot of these companies add more of that digital therapeutic component, meaning they're going to help you with behavior change, right? And I'll give you an example that's outside of the COPD space, but is a good example in this. It's Pair Therapeutics, and they have three apps that have cleared the FDA as digital therapeutics, specifically around addiction and insomnia. These are behavior-based things that where, where a patient, if they change their behavior, it can dramatically help themselves, right? And so what this digital therapeutic is doing is it's really providing CBT, what's something called cognitive behavior therapy, which is really a gold standard when you are dealing with anything to do with behavior change. And again, it goes back to, wow, the patient's feeling stressed or the patient's feeling alone or the patient isn't sure what to do, and they can open up their app and the app can take them through exercises to either help alleviate their anxiety, to alleviate a craving or just, you know, help check in. Since you brought up the fact about apps and the different areas of healthcare, which one of these apps seem to be taking the lead, so to speak, in innovation? You talked about behavior. Is there other apps out there that are developed and are being accepted out there in the healthcare arena? Yes. What's really interesting about the digital therapeutic space is there's a number of different business models going on. So I mentioned Pair Therapeutics. They are covered now by Medicare, which is a really big deal. Earlier this year, Medicare put out new CPT code that reimburses or, or covers things that are based in CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, to help diseases. That is, is the first business model. We're seeing pharmaceutical companies now partnering up with startups that are experts in this space to do what's called a companion app digital therapeutic. And so companies like Click Therapeutics, they are working with both Otsuka Pharma as well as Bowringer. And uh, both of those companies have pledged 300 to $500 million to Click in milestone-based funding for them to develop an app as a companion to one of their medications. In Otsuka's case, it's for major depressive disorder. In Bowringer's case, it's for schizophrenia. And so what we, what they're imagining is, okay, you get a prescription for Otsuka's major depressive disorder medication. And along with that prescription comes the digital therapeutic app so that it works in conjunction. And it's the first time that pharmaceutical companies actually will be able to have access to not only data coming off of the patient, every single day in a real world environment, which is a very big deal, but they'll be able to help change the patient's behavior to help with the medication. And so they'll have that direct access, which is really interesting. 
But there's a third one that's even more interesting. So Anthem, of course, one of the large private payers here in the United States, they now have four digital therapeutic apps that they are providing to their patients for free. One is around diabetes, one's around Crohn's disease, one is around cancer, and the fourth is around COVID care. And so all of a sudden, the payer has direct access to changing a patient's behavior or helping them on a daily basis through an app, which is incredibly exciting. And so I'm watching these three business models kind of shake out over the next, say, five to seven years. On that COVID app, is that something for post-COVID patients or is that just something when somebody gets COVID? Could you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. So in Anthem's case, this first one that they released, and this is a relatively new program for them. I mean, it's probably a year old, if maybe a little bit older. It was around COVID care uh, when you get COVID. I don't believe that anyone has one for long COVID yet, just because it's such a difficult thing to define and people aren't really figuring it out yet. So it's hard to treat something with a app that when you don't understand the exact definition or what exactly is going on. And plus with long COVID, we're seeing patients react in wildly different ways, right? It's gonna be a while for that one. Well, Robin, having a psychology degree myself, I, I'm really excited about what you're saying about the behavioral components of it. And, and certainly, you know, having that kind of insight is really going to change the game, I think, in how we treat on, on a specific individual by individual basis and the efficacy of those treatments. One question I did have, though, is, is you know, how is AI helping to monitor the correctness of drug delivery technique? For example, in you know, respiratory care in our field, inhaler technique is, is a huge problem where many people have inhalers have never been shown how, how to use them. What can AI do to facilitate the mechanics of that and to ensure that the del- drug delivery is actually on target? In a wild coincidence, I made a small angel investment a few years ago into a company called Aramie Therapeutics, and they have an inhaled insulin with a smart connected device and a liquid formulary. Now they, are, they have things going on on both sides of the device. It doesn't matter how fast or how slowly the patient is going to inhale. It will literally give just the right amount at the right time. And so it has to know both how fast the patient is sucking in and then how fast to release that particular medication. Yeah, that is a big problem. And I believe that uh, Ethereum or Propeller is also working on that. But because if you can track exactly how much medication was delivered, it might not be how much they inhaled, but at least how much the inhaler actually gave off. This is something that that I know quite a few companies are working on, and you're right, it is a difficult problem. On this particular app, it will individualize a person because you said it doesn't matter how quickly they inhale or, or not, it will, they will still get the same dosage? Yes, it it regulates. That product is not on the market yet because it's a pharmaceutical. They're in FDA trials now. I think it's uh, they're in phase 2B or phase 3 at this point. Um, But yeah, so I mean, that was that's the general idea is that it's measuring both the inhaler amount at the same time it's measuring how much the inhaler is giving. And so it equalizes it. That's why one of the reasons I I invested in that company beyond the fact that, of course, inhaled insulin is much better than injected insulin, of course, for the patient's experience. So that was the other big reason that I really liked that company. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I tell you, you know, it, we're so befuddled here when we think this is a huge problem. And, and if it, you have a diabetes patient only getting 50% of their medication, they would be in grave trouble if that's all they got all the time. And when people have COPD and asthma and they're only getting 50% of their medication, that really populates a lot of office visits and hospital stays because people are just not getting their medication. So I understand that you have a book called AI Healthcare. Can you elaborate what inspired you to write this book and what are you trying to accomplish in information out to the public? The book is How AI Can Democratize Healthcare, and it's really one of my focus areas. I talk a lot about the shift in healthcare delivery into the patient's home. And the AI component of that is really what is propelling a lot of the ability to reach the patient on a daily basis. So I'm just very passionate about that to begin with and how uh, you can get IV medication, IV uh, dialysis, all of those kinds of things now in the home. But I myself am a severe chronic disease patient. So I have had 43 hospitalizations, six major surgeries and three organs removed for a misdiagnosis when I was a teenager. I ended up getting diagnosed correctly after I fired my healthcare team and took control of my healthcare when I was about 26 years old. And as soon as I did that and got myself off of like high dose opioids and things like that, I ended up getting diagnosed correctly with Crohn's, put on a medication called Remicade, which is by IV, and I went into remission overnight. Now, so I have such deep experience both as a patient, but also on the entrepreneur side that I've been watching AI since about 2010 and uh, really keeping track of what's going on with the FDA and, and what's actually clearing and things like that. And I noticed in the past three years, a dramatic acceleration, dramatic. I mean, we're talking the first AI software program cleared the FDA in about 2012, and there were maybe 70 that cleared up through about 2018, and then bam, you look at it and there's now over 350. AI-based software programs that have cleared the FDA. And so I was like, this is time. It's time now. AI's time to really help a patient on a daily basis in their own daily environment, such as their home. It, it's now. And so I just got really passionate about that and watched kind of what uh, Medicare was doing as well with remote patient monitoring. You're dealing with a company, say, like Intel, BioIntelligence. They pick up over a thousand measurements a day on patients from EKG to blood pressure to pulse oximetry to, to heart rate variability. And they need, of course, that AI component to be able to manage over a thousand different measurements on each patient every single day. And so when I started seeing that kind of thing, I was like, all right, I absolutely need to map this out. And I, it, the book just kind of poured out of me. I just sat down and I just realized, wow, between remote patient monitoring, AI voice technology, digital therapeutics, predictive analytics, we're really reaching a point over maybe say the next 10 years of what I call ambient healthcare computing. Your environment, wall sensors and things like that, sensors on your body, subcutaneous, or, um, or say even just an epidermal patch, really tracking everything that you really need to track on a daily basis and alerting you hours, if not days before you really need help. 
right? And so, especially in the world of things like oncology, when you look at companies like Alacrity Care, what they are doing is remote patient monitoring for, for uh, oncology to be able to catch neutropenia and uh, sepsis and septic shock days, if not a week before someone would actually need to be hospitalized. And as someone who's had 43 hospitalizations and many, many of those were readmissions because I was, um, you know, discharged from the hospital and I wasn't medically stable. And I realized, okay, you know what, if I had had those types of things back when I was a teenager, my disease trajectory and my hospitalizations and even just the sheer amount of money that my, you know, insurance company ended up having to pay would have been dramatically reduced. And so, yeah, just seeing how much progress has been made over, say, the past five years really just got me so excited about it that I just had to get it out there for everyone. So the last three years, you probably think that it's COVID that probably excelled a lot of this more interest in AI healthcare. It did, but you know what? Everything was happening before COVID. So COVID may have accelerated it, but really, I mean, we were already seeing like the major payers trying to have dialysis in the home or shifting hospital into the home before the pandemic even started. And so, yeah, it just accelerated all the solutions that can really help patients in their daily lives. Interesting. Tell our listeners where you can get your book. I'm sure the normal platforms or uh, can you elaborate? Absolutely. So, of course, you can go ahead and get it on Amazon. I've left the ebook copy at 99 cents, which is the cheapest that uh, Amazon will let you charge because, I'm, of course, we're trying to democratize healthcare. I want to democratize the information about how to democratize healthcare. And so, you can get it for 99 cents. And we have a website as well, democratizinghealthcare.ai. Okay, great. Well, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners out there about AI healthcare? just how exciting it is so if you have any type of a medical problem or if you have a loved one with a medical problem know that there are new solutions it's happening almost daily so keep up to date on the particular types of diseases that you really want to know about because there are new solutions almost every day well robin this has been just fantastic this is great information we really appreciate you being on our podcast I loved being here. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Exhale podcast. Don't forget to follow us for upcoming new episodes and recommend this podcast to friends and family. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on the Exhale podcast brought to you by Vitalograph.